Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, going solo here on, on Wednesday night at 1030. I'm going to be real with you guys. I'm tired right now. I'm gassed. Uh, Brad Ward, unfortunately, had to cancel uh, our, our pod, so we're, we're, we're rescheduled. He re- had to reschedule our podcast. We're going to get him on, hopefully, for podcasts that will come out next week. But, man, I had a long, really long work day, so it ended up being for the best. Couldn't get to this podcast until right now. Uh, it's, as I said, 1030 at night. But we still got to bring you content because a lot of stuff happened with the Browns. <laughs> and I needed to get a podcast out. This wasn't one I could skip. So the biggest thing that we got to talk about is the Malik McDowell situation. And man, I'm bummed. I'm really bummed about this. I talked about one of my favorite stories of the season was Malik McDowell, because it was one of my favorite things being around the team a little bit. And really is one of my favorite things in sports is when these guys, you know, really change their lives, uh, you know, and not all of it has to start with something bad. A lot of these guys just, you know, with their God-given talents in football, change their life for the better and are buying their parents' houses and taking care of their families and, and you know, setting themselves up for, for generations of, of success. You, you know, you hear a lot of the bad stories, but there are a ton of, ton of, of really good ones out, out there that don't get reported because it's just guys being smart and stuff. And for a guy like Malik McDowell, he was one, you know, that, you know, he obviously went to jail and, and had um, and potentially still has been battling a lot of demons in his life uh and then to come out this year get a contract for the browns play you know fine yeah i don't think he was amazing by any means but good enough that you know he he would have definitely stuck around in the league had there not been this incident uh you know it, it really disappointing it is the only word i can come up with but it's almost not strong enough right it's a major major bummer for sure i mean so you know, if you didn't see mcdowell arrested where you know he was essentially walking naked around a school and was totally out of it and then laid down in a parking lot and then ended up charging a police officer with a closed fist where he uh, you know left the officer dazed after an attack but the officer finally used a taser uh to ultimately subdue uh, mcdowell and bring him in for arrest uh, you know, uh, assuming we don't find out any other, you know, uh, unexpected circumstances here. I know his lawyer said uh, that that Malik, uh, you know, indicated somebody might have slipped him something. And that's the explanation for his erratic behavior. I think certainly uh, without, you know, uh, you know, you're never supposed to assume, but I think we can all assume it at this point in a situation like this, there was probably uh, some sort of substance that was involved in order for him to behave this way or, you know, something else, if he is something else where there's not a substance involved where, or mentally he was behaving this way, either way, you know, this is a situation where he's not going to be back on the Browns next season, uh, almost assuredly at this point, uh, I would be shocked. He, he would be a free agent in March. And not only do I think the Browns are not going to resign him, I would be surprised if anybody and the NFL re-signs him. So, you know, clearly the the priority for Malik McDowell shouldn't be football right now uh, based on what we know. Uh, and I hope he gets uh, the help he needs because he's a guy that that 
that could and maybe still can have a future in the NFL, but but this this really sucks. So he's going to be out, uh, you know, as I said, of the Browns playing through the future in all likelihood from an on-field perspective. I mean, you look at the Browns defensive tackle situation, and it was already a need on this team. And now it becomes probably, you know, right there with receiver as one of the top needs on this team. I will say it is still number two. In fact, I might argue defensive end, depending on what happens with Chidavion Clowney is number two. I know a lot of people have been saying D tackles now, you know, one B or, or whatever to receiver. And while that is, you know, there's a clear massive gaping hole on, on the roster in terms of defensive tackle, two things. Number one, this team had a top five defense without getting production from its defensive tackles really this season. Number two, the Browns have not shown a desire to spend a ton of money at tackle. And number three, I'll point out that they have some depth at the position of guys they, they clearly took a chance on in the draft and must have some belief in, in terms of Jordan Elliott and Tommy Togiak. Now, as far as the on-field play this season, I mean, out of the guys who, you know, played D-tackle for the Browns, you know, regularly this season, Malik Jackson, Malik McDowell, you know, Billings, 72, 76, and 78 out of the 80 qualifying defensive tackles. They were bad. And again, they they had the, the fourth highest graded defense on PFF. Um, so, you know, if you, again, the impact of those guys wasn't necessarily huge, but at the same time, uh, you know, they just, they didn't produce really all that well. And I think McDowell was the best of those guys, unfortunately. Uh, and so, you know, there, this is a team that that's going to have to, you know, probably add two people at that position this off season, I would say, I mean, and I, and, and here's the thing is if you go back and do a little bit of revisionist history, you have to ask a question did the front office make the wrong move in cutting Sheldon Richardson and by letting Larry Ogunjobi go? Now, Larry Ogunjobi just got hurt for the Bengals. You know, of course, you can't predict that. You know, he honestly, he's an interesting one because he has one of the largest splits in terms of how people have evaluated him this season. He's awful uh, on the PFF stuff. I think he's 101st defensive tackle and they, and they really don't like him. I can tell you some other people in the analytics community who love Larry Ogunjobi that he uh, had one of the highest ratings as a D tackle in terms of the significance to a run game in the NFL, which is what a lot of the people will say, you know, D tackles are really most important for in this day and age is, Hey, can you, can they plug up the run if you're going to go with smaller linebackers and, and that he mattered over a yard per carry to the Bengals run game according to some analytics models out there too. So you've got a huge divide on Larry Ogunjobi. I tell you, from my perspective, I thought Larry Ogunjobi was a pretty good run defender for times at times with the Bengals this season. I thought he made some pretty good plays behind the line and had a better year in Cincinnati than I think he did his last couple of years in Cleveland at the very least. So, uh, you know, deviating from PFF on that, it, just with my personal take, but I, I saw him make a lot of plays. I watched a lot of Bengals football this year. I think he would have, you know, been a nice piece for the Browns. I don't think he really would have been a huge upgrade on their guys. And I think given his age, it's a shame that he's gone. Sheldon Richardson, I really don't think that was a mistake, guys. I know yeah, he was 43rd in PFF this year, but easily the worst season of his career. A guy that's on the wrong side of the aging curve, a guy that, that you know, was battling some injury stuff. 
I, I really don't sweat that one at the end of the day. I think in general, the Browns approach to this position is correct. I would not invest heavy assets in it. Um, and, and I don't think they're going to, I think, you know, they'll, they'll add similarly to a Malik Jackson this year. I think they'll add a veteran in the D tackle room to, to pair up with, you know, Togi I and, and, and have Jordan Elliott in the rotation. And maybe they'll draft somebody in the middle rounds again and, and they'll roll with it that way. I really don't think this is going to be, you know, that approach. I've seen some people float out Jordan Davis from Georgia and, First of all, I, I, I based on the early mock draft stuff I've seen, I don't think he's going to be even available for the Browns. But if he was, I just don't think that's this front office's M.O. I don't think they're going to do that. You know, Davis is a huge 6'6", 380-pound tackle or 360-pound defensive tackle out of Georgia if you haven't seen him. But he's not uh, – yeah, at least there's some concerns that he's not a three-down player. He certainly wasn't a three-down player at Georgia in terms of the snap counts he got. I just find it hard to believe that uh, the Browns front office that is that analytics focused is going to take a guy who played like 57% of the snaps at Georgia at a position that's just not all that valuable to them. At least so it seems. So I'd be surprised if it's, you know, somebody at the top of that draft, I still think receiver and in let, if it's not receiver, I think it will be defensive end. I, I really don't think they will use uh, one of the top picks on the D tackle class. And, and outside of Jordan Davis, I don't think there's anybody else. I know Neil out of AM is a guy that people are talking about. But again, I really think this is going to be a free agent solution and probably a bargain bin one, if I had to guess. Now, if you look at the top free agents out there, there are some huge names. Uh, but again, nobody I really think that it would make any sense for the Browns to go after, like Akeem Hicks and Clayus Campbell and those type of guys. You know, BJ Hill who's uh, Larry Ogunjobi's counterpart there in Cincinnati, I thought had, a, had an awesome year and he's 20, I think he's 25 still. So maybe the Browns go after him or DJ Jones, I thought had a fantastic year in San Francisco. I actually love, love, love DJ Jones as a player. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, he's a D tackle on San Francisco that nobody talks about because rightfully so, they've got a lot of other pass rushers that are going to get the shine but uh, DJ Jones, I think, would be an awesome fit in Cleveland. Now, I think he's going to get too much money. I just don't think the Browns are going to spend that kind of money. Even though he's a younger guy, you know, uh, I would be surprised if they really go that direction. I think, you know, some names that might make some more sense, uh, you know, Sebastian Joseph Day is a guy that, that got injured for the Rams this year, uh, but he, he may actually uh, – be coming back for the playoffs. I haven't seen it. I don't remember him if he was playing on Monday night or not. I don't think he was. Uh, I know I saw some reports about him trying to get back for the playoffs, but he's like a younger guy that I don't think is going to get a crazy contract that maybe the Browns would sign uh, to plug up that position. But then other than that, you know, I think you're looking at, you're looking at veterans here that you're just, you know, off the scrap heap where it's like, Hey, this, this guy can plug, plug a hole for us. Cause I think that's what they need. You know, Linval Joseph is a guy, you know, for the chargers that, that was kind of meh, but you know, he's 33 and the chargers are definitely going to be looking up to, you know, to, to upgrade at defensive tackle. Cause Jerry Tillery was one of the worst players in football this year. Um, at the other position there at D tackle. So again, those are just some names I'm throwing out early on. Uh, I, you know, I haven't dove, dove into it more than that, but, 
I just find it hard to believe that uh, that this roster is gonna or uh, that this front office is gonna spend a lot of money at that spot for this roster spot. So, yeah, uh, you know, Malik McDowell, uh, I thought would have been you know a, a starter on this team next season, and they would have uh, looked to upgrade Malik Jackson more so because Jackson was just worse this season. He really struggled uh, in a lot of facets of the game, but. Now they need to upgrade on both guys. So I don't think it's a huge loss. I don't think it's going to be crazy, you know, impact on the Browns next season, but it's another hole that you've got to, got to fill as far as you got to spend some dollars there or draft pick or something. Uh, it's another need on this roster. So that is uh, the unfortunate on field impact uh, of the McDowell uh, situation. And then of course, as I mentioned, the off the field part of just, you know, hope, hoping, something changes there, but it, it hasn't been great. Uh, so we can hope, we can hope that, uh, that, that, that he turns his life around. The other thing we need to talk about is the Baker Mayfield surgery. Uh, Baker Mayfield had uh, what was deemed as successful surgery on his torn labrum in his, you know, left throwing shoulder and, and maybe some other stuff done there. But as far as we know, that's all that got done. Uh, and he put out a little video, uh, and yeah, it was a little weird. Uh, I gotta be honest. I think it's, a, it was a little weird. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not big conspiracy guy or whatever, but no mention of the Browns in the video, no mention of the team in the video, no mention of the Browns medical team. He basically talked about his doctor in LA and then talked about how it's going to be a, a major comeback for him. And he appreciates all the support. Um, so yeah, um, again, I don't think this specific video means he's out on the Cleveland Browns or anything like that, but it's one of those things where clearly the relationship is frayed with the franchise at this point, right? Like each of these things individually is not uh, an indication that there's an issue, but you add them all up, you know, twice calling out Kevin Stefanski's play calling in press conferences, not mentioning the Browns earlier in the off season as well. And then in this video now too, where there's smoke, there's fire. Clearly there's a, there's a fray. Now I'm not saying it can't be repaired. Uh, you know, there's a whole Patriots dynasty that happened where apparently the two guys never went out to dinner. So, you know, it's very much possible that, that these guys can get, you know, back on the same page to fanscape Baker specifically, you know, winning cures a lot of things. But uh, it does, it, it, the, the vibes just aren't good. The vibes just aren't good. I mean, even Russell Wilson on the Manning cast, who, who wouldn't speculate on his future in Seattle, where there are reports that he wants to explore his options. I mean, clearly there's a fracture there, right? Even then, when he was signing off the Manning cast, he did the whole Go Hawks thing. Like, it just doesn't seem like Baker really has any interest in pretending that things are uh, 100%, which is fine, I guess, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. We talked about on the last episode, guys, you know, that I would think about re replacing Baker with. And really the only one that I thought, you know, is worth consideration was Derek Carr. And I don't think that's going to happen. So, yeah, the, the, the Browns are going to go roll in the next season with Baker as their quarterback. The, the reporting early indications are, you know, uh, from Jake Trotter that that he should be you know clear by training camp, if not much sooner is the exact quote. So, hey, he should go into next season healthy. 
for those people who think that's, you know, that that was the issue, the health, and, and that was it. Hopefully we find out. That's the goal, right? Next year is the prove it year for Baker Mayfield. Hopefully, you know, he stays healthy and can put his best foot forward. And again, I'm hoping that he succeeds. But, you know, the biggest thing I think, you know, if you're a Browns fan, what you really, you know, really, if you're a fan of the team, I think you are rooting for, you know, Baker's success, obviously, in the short term, because Baker has a great year next year. The team's probably in the playoffs and competing for a Super Bowl. But long term, the thing you're rooting for the most is clarity. What I fear the most, actually, is that Baker has another season where he's not great, but maybe he's slightly better than this year, and he plays as, like, the 17th best quarterback in the league. And then what? Right? Because then his contract's up. It's like, do you franchise tag him? That's going to piss him off. You know, do you give him the big contract, even though, you know, you, know, you haven't seen, you know, that top 10 to 12 upside over the last two years? Uh, but, you know, you just made the playoffs and, and, you know, say got bounced in the first round, something like that. Like that's when you get into the total pickle of a situation. If you let him go, you know, after making the playoffs, can you know, again, what's the replacement situation like? Is it, you know, are you taking somebody in the draft? Can you get somebody in free agency as a bridge? That's the situation I fear the most. And, and, and frankly, I think might be the most likely is that this roster is so good that they are going to make the playoffs next year, either as a wild card or, or maybe they win the division based on, you know, uh, the other teams in it, but you know, that they're going to kind of be in that fringe range and then maybe win a playoff game, maybe not, but you'll be confused even more uh, about Baker Mayfield. So that uh, hopefully we get some clarity one where the other, the shoulder surgery, I think is the first step in that because it should get him back and at least a, a healthy version of himself, because no matter, you know, all of my frustrations with Baker's decision-making and other stuff, you can't say the injuries didn't impact him either. I don't think he's a bottom five quarterback in the league. And I do think he played pretty much at that level this season. So I, you know, there, there is a middle ground there uh, for sure. Okay, I think that's going to do it for this episode. I know it's short and sweet. I don't know if you caught that I yawned in the middle of that. I don't even know if I'm going to edit that out or not. It's it's 1047 at night. It just it is what it is. So I appreciate all you guys out there listening. Uh, you know, the, uh, the Browns never fail to keep us entertained. Uh, as far as who I'm rooting for in the playoffs this weekend, uh, it will continue to be the Bills, number one. Uh, you know, the Bengals... You know, I really want to see the Bengals in a, a, you know the AFC Championship game. I might I might need to rethink that a little bit more now that I don't have the Raiders hate fueling me uh, for the Bengals. I wouldn't mind them losing to the Titans. Absolutely rooting for the 49ers over the Packers. Can't stand Aaron Rodgers. Please, please, please. And then I'll root for the Rams over the Bucks just because I'm tired of seeing Tom Brady uh, keep winning. So that's my uh, my official playoff uh, rooting interest. Hopefully. You guys uh, are enjoying the playoffs out there. I really enjoyed watching the Steelers lose. And then, you know, now uh, we'll just see how the rest of things play out. But we still got football for a few more weeks. I am going to dive into some of the draft stuff. I even started a little bit watching some Drake London, just kind of YouTube highlights and stuff today. So all that's coming soon. Uh, hopefully when I'm not working quite so late, I will uh, get to it. So 
Browns fans, take care of yourselves out there, and we'll talk more soon. In the meantime, two words for you. Go Browns.